ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد so resuming in the chapter regarding the manners of the prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam we mentioned last time wa kana ya'ti ala ali muhammad ash-shahr wa shahran la yuqadu fi baytin min buyutihi nar wa kana quutuhum at-tamar wal ma' that sometimes a month or two would pass by without a fire being lit in the household of muhammad meaning that there was no cooked food in the household of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam in any of his households and their food was simply dates and water then it mentions wa ya'kulu al-hadiya wa la ya'kulu sadaqah wa yukafi' 'ala al-hadiya that he would eat the food that was given as a gift but he would never eat charity when he was given a gift he would give something back in return he did not indulge in luxurious food or garments he ate what he had and wore what he had and he mended his own shoes la yata'annaq fi ma'kal wa la malbas ya'kul ma wajada wa yalbas ma wajada wa kana yakhsafu an-na'al ويرقع الثوب ويخدم في مهنته اهله ويعود المرضى so he would mend his own shoes and patch up his own clothes and he would help his family doing the household chores he would help his family doing the household chores and he would visit the sick so you can see here the mannerisms of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam that he had this level of humbleness and modesty that he would mend his own shoes fix up his own shoes and that he would patch up and fix his own clothes and that he would help his family with household chores and that he would visit the sick and he would visit the sick whether they were muslim or non-muslim and remember the story about the young jewish boy that the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam visited and that young jewish boy ended up becoming muslim before dying wa kana ashadd an-nas tawadu'an yujibu man da'ahu min ghaniy aw faqir aw dani'in aw sharif that he was the humblest of the people and he would accept an invitation whether it was from the rich or from the poor or from the common people or the nobles and he loved kana yuhibbul masakin he loved the poor and the needy people and yashhadu janaizahum wa ya'udu mardahum la yahqar faqiran wa la yahab malikan li malik li mulki and that he would attend their funerals 
and he would visit their sick from the poor and the needy people. He would go and attend their funerals and he would visit their sick and he never belittled a poor person due to his poverty. Never belittled a poor person due to his poverty and he never feared a rich person due to his power or status. An example of this, of how the Prophet ﷺ used to look after the poor and have a connection with the poor people and never belittle them or degrade them or demean them. An example of that is regarding the woman who used to clean the masjid of the Prophet ﷺ. When she died, the companions did her janazah and they didn't tell the Prophet ﷺ that she had died. They didn't think it was of any importance to go and tell the Prophet ﷺ about her. And in some narrations it mentions because she died at night and it was an awkward time and they didn't want to go and disturb the Prophet ﷺ over just a woman who used to clean the mosque. But afterwards when the Prophet ﷺ found out, he asked first, where is she? And then they told her him, they told the Prophet ﷺ that she passed away. And he said to them, why didn't you tell me? And then he went to her grave where they had buried her and prayed the janazah himself. Because he'd missed the initial one they hadn't told him. But from his compassion, for the poor and the needy, to the woman who used to clean the mosque. He even went and prayed the janazah upon her too. وَكَانَ يَرْكَبُ الْفَرَسِ وَالْبَعِيرِ وَالْحِمَارِ وَالْبَغْلَةِ وَيُرْدِفُ خَلْفَهُ عَبْدَهُ أَغَيْرَهُ لَا يَدَعُ أَحَدًا يَمْشِي خَلْفَهُ وَيَقُولُ خَلُّوا ظَهْرِي لِلْمَلَائِكَةِ He used to ride on a horse, on a camel, on a donkey and on a mule and he would let his servants or others ride on the saddle behind him. So when he was riding on the donkey or the horse or whatever it was, he would allow one of his servants to sit on there with him behind him, to sit on the saddle alongside him. But he would not let anyone walk behind him. And he would say, "Umshu amami, walk in front of me. Khallu zahri lilmalaika, leave my back for the angels. Do not walk behind me, walk in front of me. Walk in front of me, he would say, and leave my back for the angels. It's mentioned from some of the scholars of the past that they would prohibit people from walking behind them. And they hated it. And they would say, it is a humiliation for those who are behind, walking behind. It's humiliation for them. And it's a trial for the one who is being followed. That you're giving that type of status and praise to him, that all these people following and walking behind him. So some of the scholars, they didn't used to allow that and they didn't like that. That people, they walk behind them. Then also, وَيَلْبَسُ الصُّوفِ وَيَنْتَعِلُ الْمَخْصُوفِ 
that he used to wear garments made of wool and shoes that were sewn, sewn shoes and garments made of wool. وَكَانَ أَحَبَّ اللِّبَاسِ إِلَيْهِ الْحِبْرَةِ وَهِيَ مِنْ بُرُودِ الْيَمَنِ فِيهَا حُمْرَةٌ وَبَيَاضٌ That the most beloved garment to him was a hibrah, a Yemeni cloak, a Yemeni cloak with red and white material. That was the most beloved of garments to him, this Yemeni style cloak with red and uh, 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 white within the coloring of the garment, of the material. وَخَاتِمُهُ فِضَّهُ فَصُّهُ مِنْهُ يَلْبَسُهُ فِي خَنْصَرِهِ الْأَيْمَنِ وَرُبَّمَا لَبِسَهُ فِي الْأَيْسَرِ And his ring and its stone were silver. The ring and the stone of the ring were made of silver. And he wore it on his little finger on his right hand and sometimes on his left hand. On his right hand and sometimes on his left hand. And on his ring was written Muhammad, the messenger of Allah. On one line was the word Muhammad, on another line the word messenger, and on another line the word Allah. But normally, Muhammad, messenger of Allah, that's the order. But on the ring, the name of Allah was at the top, then the remainder. Because you would not want to put the name of Muhammad above the name of Allah in that lines of the ring. So the top line of the ring was Allah, not Muhammad, messenger of Allah. Allah the top, and then messenger Muhammad. Then also, it's mentioned, وَكَانَ يَعْصِبُ عَلَى بَطْنِهِ الْحَجَرِ مِنَ الْجُوعِ وَقَدْ آتَاهُ اللَّهُ مَفَاتِيحَ خَزَائِنَ الْأَرْضِ كُلَّهَا فَأَبَى أَنْ يَأْخُذَهَا وَاخْتَارَ الْآخِرَةَ عَلَيْهَا That he would tie a stone to his stomach due to hunger. He would tie a stone to his stomach due to hunger. Allah granted him all the keys to the earth's treasures, but he refused to accept them, and he preferred the afterlife over this life. He refused to accept the treasures of the earth, and he preferred the afterlife over this life. He would mention Allah a lot. He would mention Allah a lot. كَانَ يُكْثِرُ الذِّكْرِ وَيُقِلْ أَلَّغُ وَيُطِيلَ الصَّلَاةِ وَيُقَصِّرَ الْخُطْبَةِ That he would mention Allah a lot. Constantly upon the dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Constantly upon the remembrance of Allah. So many narrations about how many times during the day the Prophet ﷺ used to seek forgiveness from Allah. So many narrations about how much dhikr he used to do during the day. Narrations about how he would lengthen his prayer as it mentions here. 
that he did not engage in vain speech. He didn't waste his time talking about useless things. And with regards to his prayer, he would elongate it. And he would make the sermon short. Specifically regarding the Friday prayer, the Jumu'ah prayer, it is mentioned from the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ that he would make the khutbah reasonably short for the Jumu'ah prayer. And the prayer long. Meaning that it wouldn't be how many people do it now, the khutbah very long, 40 minutes, 45 minutes, and then the prayer in 10 minutes. That isn't the way the Prophet used to do the Jumu'ah. It was more balanced, a lot more balanced. In fact, they say the khutbah of the Prophet ﷺ basically never used to go more than 15 minutes. 20 if you push it. That is how long the khutbah of the Prophet ﷺ used to be. The khutbah when he used to do it, 15 minutes or so, maybe 20 minutes or so. That is what is gathered and deduced from the various narrations of the sunnah in approximately uh, uh, indicating how long the khutbah of the Prophet ﷺ used to be. And then the prayer, something similar to that. Rather than now how the, the, the khatibs do it, half an hour, 40 minutes, even an hour I've heard, giving the Jum'ah khutbah and then the prayer in 5 or 10 minutes at the end. That isn't the way the Prophet ﷺ used to do it. Elongating the prayer otherwise, even in the night prayer, there are many narrations indicating how long the Prophet ﷺ used to pray the night prayer, so long that his feet would become swollen and his ankles would become blistered, blistered and swollen ankles and feet from how long he used to stand in the prayer. In that narration of Aisha radiallahu anha, she asked the Prophet ﷺ, why so long? And, he, uh, and your sins have been forgiven, past and future. He said, أَفَلَا أَكُونُ عَبْدًا شَكُورًا That should I not be a grateful servant to Allah? I love to be a grateful servant to Allah. So this is what is mentioned regarding the worship of the Prophet ﷺ. أَكْثَرُ النَّاسِ تَبَسُّمًا He used to smile more than anyone else. He used to smile a lot. Smiling more than anyone. وَأَحْسَنُهُمْ And he always had a cheerful character to him. When meeting the people, addressing the people, coming across to the people. He was always in a cheerful type of way. So, he maintained always a cheerful type of way, even when there may have been heavy concerns and difficulties and things to, to be worried about and concerned about. Even then, he would keep a cheerful type of character about himself. And similarly it mentions, uh, so he was always cheerful, uh, In fact, the way it's mentioned in the Arabic, That he used to keep cheerful 
always keep that natural cheerful disposition despite the fact that there were continuous concerns all the time the things that were happening in those early days of Islam the kuffar coming and the battles occurring and with the the mushrikun and the jews and the munafiqun so many things so many concerns consistent concerns happening all the time yet despite that the prophet sallallahu used to keep a cheerful way about himself daimul fikr also mentioned about him that he was always pondering always thinking about things always pondering وَكَانَ يُحِبُّ الطَّيِّبُ وَيَكْرَهُ الرِّيحَ الْكَرِيحَ And he was always pondering, he loved good scents, he loved the good fragrances, and he hated the bad smells. He used to love the good smells, the good scents and the good fragrances. But he despised or did not like, he hated the bad odors. يَسْتَأْلِفُ أَهْلَ الشَّرَفِ وَيُكْرِمْ أَهْلَ الْفَضْلِ وَلَا يَطْوِي بِشْرَهُ عَنْ أَحَدٍ وَلَا يَجْفُ عَلَيْهِ He was hospitable, hospitable to the noble people, and he honored the virtuous people. He did not used to hold bad feelings, ill feelings towards anyone. He did not used to hold ill feelings, bad feelings toward anyone. Nor did he shun anyone away. He would not shun people away, nor did he ever hold bad feelings or evil feelings towards people. But it mentions how he was hospitable to the leaders of the tribes, hoping that it would benefit them and their people in accepting Islam. يَرَى الْلَعِبَ الْمُبَاحِ فَلَا يُنْكِرُهُ That, or يَرَى الْلُعَبَ الْمُبَاحِ فَلَا يُنْكِرُهُ That he deemed playing to be permissible, the permissible forms of playing, then it's allowed. And he deemed it to be permissible. <coughs> so he did not used to disapprove of it. Halal, permissible, spending some time in some play, it's allowed, it's allowed. So he would deem that permissible and he wouldn't uh, reject that or disapprove of that. Yamzah wala yaqulu illa haqqan. The Prophet ﷺ used to joke sometimes, he used to joke sometimes, make jokes occasionally, but he would never say anything that was not true. He wouldn't make jokes by making up lies and stories to make people laugh. That is impermissible. It is impermissible to make jokes out of lies and made up stories to make somebody laugh. So he would never say anything that was not true. Only the truth. But that he would joke sometimes with his companions. وَيَقْبَلْ مَعْذِرَةَ الْمَعْتَذِرْ إِلَيْهِ And he would accept the excuse from the one who gave it. He would accept the excuse of the one who gave it. Somebody came and excused himself from something, uh, gave an excuse for some, some affair, 
then he would accept it. له عبيد وإماء he had male and female slaves. لا يرتفع عليهم في مأكل ولا ملبس. But look at this point. Even though he had male and female slaves, he never placed himself above them in terms of food or clothing. Food or clothing, not better for himself and worse for them. He never put himself above them in terms of the food and the clothing. And he didn't waste time. He was either in the service of Allah or he was assisting his family. لا يمضي له وقت في غير عمل لله No time would ever pass by which he wasn't using for the sake of Allah. That he wasn't using in the worship of Allah, in the remembrance of Allah, in the service of Allah. أو فيما لا بد له ولأهله منه Or in terms of uh, seeing to the affairs of his family. The affairs of your family that you must see to. Responsibilities that you have. So he would of course fulfill those responsibilities of his family. A person can't come along now and say, I'm seeking knowledge, I'm attending classes, I'm busy, I've got no time to look after this or to do this for you or to do that for you to your wives or your families. You have responsibilities to look after regarding your wives and children and families alongside your seeking of knowledge and everything else. The Prophet ﷺ looked after the affairs of his family. And at the same time it's mentioned how he spent his time in the service of Allah. Similarly, Ra'al Ghanam. Or before we move on to that, from his humbleness then, as we've seen here now in this section, from his humbleness and his humility, that he would eat with the common people and the children. And it's mentioned in the hadith that he said to the young boy, Umar ibn Abi Salama, who was eating with him. He was sat with a small boy, sat with him, eating with him. And it's mentioned in the hadith how he said to Umar ibn Abi Salama, Ya ghulam sammillah. Oh boy, mention the name of Allah. Start with Bismillah. Wa kul bi yaminik wa kul mimma yalik. And eat with your right hand and eat the food which is closest to you, which is nearer to you from the dish. So this shows as an example how the Prophet ﷺ used to sit with the common people, with the children. He would allow them to sit with him in eating, showing his humbleness, showing his modesty and humility. Then it mentions Ra'al Ghanam that he used to, he used to uh, uh, look after the sheep and herd the sheep. He used to herd the sheep. And it's mentioned in a hadith, مَا مِن نَبِيٍ إِلَّا قَدْ غَنَمًا That there wasn't any prophet except that they all used to herd sheep. All of the prophets, they used to herd sheep. Herding sheep affects the character of a person. It causes the herder to have mercy and compassion and leniency while paying special attention to and carefully watching the flock because the small sheep, they may run away here or there. And so this is different to somebody who herds camels. 
Camels have a different type of build-up and a different nature to them compared to sheep. So the one who looks after sheep develops that compassion in character, that leniency in character compared to somebody who looks after the camels because the camels, they are of a different nature. وَالْفَخْرُ وَالْخُيَلَاءُ فِي أَهْلِ الْخَيْلِ وَالْإِبَلِ الْفَدَّادِينَ أَهْلِ الْغَبَرِ وَالسَّكِينَةِ فِي أَهْلِ الْغَنَمِ that pride and conceit is found among horse and camel owners who are rude and uncivil people of the tents. And tranquility, serenity, is found among those who rear goats and sheep. So camel herders, they may become arrogant because they herd mountains, camels, but the sheep, Shepherds, they watch over these small, delicate animals. So you have differences in the characters that occur. Then it mentions, وَسُئِلَتْ عَائِشَةِ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهَا عَنْ خُلُقِ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ فَقَالَتْ كَانَ خُلُقُهُ الْقُرْآنِ يَغْضَبُ لِغَضَبِهِ وَيَرْضَى لِرِضَاهُ That Aisha radiyallahu anha was asked about the character of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And she said, surely the character of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa was the Qur'an. He would become angry for its sake and pleased for its sake. Meaning that, like we said before, he never took revenge for himself. It was never about personal needs or personal affairs. He became angry for the sake of Allah. That's what he would become angry over if the rights of Allah were taken. And here it's mentioned that his mannerisms were that of the Qur'an, his character was that of the Qur'an. وَصَحَّ عَنْ أَنَسِ بْنِ مَالِكِ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ قَالْ مَا مَسِسْتُ دِيبَاجًا وَلَا حَرِيرًا أَلْيَنَ مِنْ كَفِّ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ وَلَا شَمَمْتُ رَائِحَةً قَطُّ كانت أطيب من رائحة رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم ولقد خدمت رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم عشر سنين فما قال لي أف قط ولا لي شيء فعلته لما فعلت كذا ولا لي شيء لم أفعله ألا فعلت كذا وكذا أنا سبن مالك says that I have never touched any silk or brocade, a type of silk, softer than the palm of the Prophet ﷺ. And I have never smelt any fragrance sweeter than the sweat of the Prophet ﷺ. And this was from the miracles given to the Prophet ﷺ from Allah. That his hands were soft, but possessed strength. To the extent of which no one was aware of except Allah. And in most cases, a strong hand is normally tough and rough. Somebody with a strong hand, it's normally going to be a rough feel to the skin. A strong, tough hand.
But the Prophet ﷺ, from Allah, he was given a soft hand, but with the power and the strength of what you would now deem as a tough and rough hand. But in his case, they were soft while being extremely powerful. Anas ibn Malik, he mentioned as well, that I served the Prophet ﷺ in Medina for 10 years. And I was a young boy. And I did not do everything as he would have liked. But he never said, oof to me. And he never said to me, why did you do this or why didn't you do that? So this shows how the Prophet ﷺ behaved towards even the youngsters. Never shouting, oh why this and why not that? And why didn't you do this or why didn't you do that? Not saying, oof. When you become agitated and angry, Anas says he was in the service of the Prophet ﷺ for 10 years and the Prophet ﷺ never said that to him. So Allah bestowed upon him perfect character and the perfection of actions. Allah granted him the knowledge of the first people and those to come later. He revealed to him that which grants the people salvation. That was taught to the Prophet ﷺ what will bring salvation. And the Prophet ﷺ we know was illiterate. He was not able to read or write. And he had no teacher from mankind. He was born in a land of ignorance in those days, Jahiliyyah. The ignorance of the desert of Arabia in those days. But Allah granted him what he never granted to anyone else from mankind. And he preferred him over all of mankind. So here it mentions at the end, قَدْ جَمَعَ اللَّهُ تَعَالَى لَهُ كَمَالَ الْأَخْلَاقِ That Allah gave the Prophet ﷺ the perfection of manners, the complete manners, the good manners, the perfect character, وَمَحَاسِنَ الْأَفْعَالِ And the good behaviors and actions, وَآتَاهُ اللَّهُ تَعَالَى عِلْمَ الْأَوَّلِينَ وَالْآخِرِينَ and Allah gave him the knowledge of the first and the last in terms of وَمَا فِيهِ النَّجَاتِ وَالْفَوْزِ In terms of what is the salvation for them, what will be the salvation uh, for mankind. Allah taught the Prophet ﷺ that وَهُوَ أُمِّي لَا يَقْرَأْ وَلَا يَكْتُبْ And he was illiterate, he could not read or write. وَلَا مُعَلِّمَ لَهُمْ مِنَ الْبَشَرِ And he had nobody from mankind to teach him. نَشَأَ فِي بِلَادِ الْجَهْلِ وَالصَّحَارِ he was raised in that land, in the peninsula of Arabia, of ignorance in those days amongst them. Allah gave him though, what he never gave anybody else from mankind. And Allah selected him to be above all of the first ones and the last ones, to be above all of those of mankind. So may the praise and salutations of Allah be upon him up until the day of judgment. That then brings us to the end of the chapter regarding the character and the manners of the Prophet All that remains now is the final chapter. The final chapter which is regarding the miracles of the Prophet 
But that inshallah ta'ala will do it next time as an independent lecture regarding the miracles of the Prophet ﷺ. But any questions up to there so far then? Any questions on that, or even if unrelated? I haven't come across it. So we'll have to look to see what that narration is, what it says, and the meaning of it. Allah Alam. It's not the way of the Sunnah to have a second Jumu'ah in the Masjid. No, but I mean, this is what they do because of their, 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 their space in the Masjid. As a consequence of their space in the masjid, if that's the reason they're doing it one after the next, you know, if you're stuck and, uh, and there's no other way to do it, and that's the mosque of the land, then what can you do? Maybe there's some allowance. But if it's they're doing it because of the timings and the work of the people, so they do one early, for example, at the time, and then they do another one at 4 o'clock or 4.30 just before Asr, then they're doing that not because of space in the mosque necessarily. They're probably doing that to accommodate people's work patterns and things. If that's the case, then I don't believe that is permissible. You can't put the time of Jum'ah like that on purpose as a secondary Jum'ah to accommodate people's work patterns. It's the other way around. People need to accommodate Jum'ah into their work patterns. Take your break at dinner time, at the lunch break, your other breaks, you take care of things, sort it out. This country, you have all your rights of the 15-minute break every four hours, your lunch break, everything. By right, you have to have all of these things when you're working in this country. So fix up your affairs, fix up things, so you can arrange that. Because when it comes to winter, what are you going to do? When it comes to winter, you're going to pray at 4.30, by then it's already dark outside, Maghrib's gone. So you as a worker, as an employee, need to fix yourself up to get that time slot, 20 minutes, half an hour, you can just go and catch the Jum'ah and get it done. That's what you need to do. Not that the mosques are changing Jum'ah until almost Asr time to accommodate you and things. Hmm. But, um, this, this year, it seems like uh, Al-Fa is going to fall on a Saturday. Would yeah. you advise to Saturday and Sunday or just Saturday? Sunday is Eid, it's haram to fast on Sunday. So Friday and Saturday then? No, Saturday, the issue about Saturday, some of the scholars have mentioned the impermissibility of fasting Saturdays. لا تسوموا يوم السبت إلا في مفترض عليكم as the hadith says. Do not fast on Saturdays except for the obligatory fasts. What has been made obligatory upon you. Arafah, is it obligatory? No. It's a sunnah. So therefore the hadith is saying, don't fast on Saturdays, except obligatory fasts. Arafah, is it obligatory? No. So according to those scholars, you shouldn't fast any other fast on Saturdays, including Arafah, including Ashura. That's an opinion, a legitimate opinion. A legitimate opinion of some of the scholars, there's no problem in that. The hadith, there is some discussion over it, as to whether it is authentic or not. But some of the scholars have examined it, and they do believe it to be authentic. They do believe it to be authentic and they therefore take the position that it's impermissible to fast on Saturdays. For example, a Shaykh al-Albani, 
Other scholars have mentioned, however, some of them say the hadith is not authentic in the first place. And even if it is, then they bring into to effect the usul al-fiqh. And then they start combining between various principles of the religion in order to basically conclude that in this type of scenario and the virtues that have been mentioned of Arafah, etc., etc., it is permissible to fast. Like there's the hadith about not fasting Friday by itself. If you're going to fast a Friday, you can't fast it by itself. You either have to fast Thursday with it or Saturday with it. So that obviously seems to indicate you can fast Saturdays. Maybe. Maybe that indicates that. So there are narrations like this and others like that too, which indicate that it is permissible to fast Saturdays. So, Allahu A'lam, what appears to be correct, Allahu A'lam, is that you can fast uh, Arafah if it falls on a Saturday. Allahu Ta'ala A'lam. But I don't know about having to join a day. Because the joining the day thing is about Fridays. You can't fast a Friday by itself. That's in a hadith. Join a Thursday or a Saturday. But you have to join something with the Saturday. What's the narration? I think there is a narration. Where is it? Which one? That was the Friday one. Where's the Saturday one? I think Saturday. I said the day after. Friday one definitely. But I don't remember a Saturday. Maybe there is. If there is, uh, we need to look at it, find it where it is. I don't remember. I think the Friday one, I remember that one. I think Umm Salman narrated that Nabi Rasulullah used to fast Saturdays and Sundays. But does that indicate, that's okay, but does that indicate that you have to add a day with Saturday? Whereas the Friday narration, it's clear. It says it. Either do Thursday with it the day before or do a day after with it. Clear narration. But does it say that like that with the Saturday? No, no, that's okay. But about joining a day with Saturday. Is there a narration explicitly saying if you fast on a Saturday, you have to join a day with it? That's your homework. Uh, next week, there's no class anyway, though. Next week, it's off. Next week, there is no class. So we're going to carry on after Eid now, the Sunday after Eid. So just in two weeks' time, not next week, in two weeks' time, insha'Allah ta'ala. So we'll round off on that for tonight.